0: Living close to nature is a dream for many people, but for Deborah White, it's a calling.
1: a buttercups are in bloom today. Beautiful. I was born and raised over there in a little log cabin.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Story
2: Exchange. I'm Colleen DeBase. And I'm Sue Williams. Today we're talking with Deborah, the founder of Winslow Farm, a nonprofit animal sanctuary about an hour south of Boston.
1: We try and keep a good sense of Energy and balance here. It's 17 acres and home to about 160 animals. Good girl. The alpacas and horses are together.
2: Most of them have been neglected or abused. Horrible
1: circumstances beyond belief. But now they live in a safe haven with peace and harmony with nature.
2: We recently spent a day with Deborah White, walking around the beautiful property, saying hello to the animals.
1: That's Cloud Dancing. She was born here. She's a mule. She knows no harm whatsoever. Just love.
0: And while we knew it was a sanctuary for animals, we were surprised to discover how much it's a place of healing for people, too.
2: Why do you think it is
0: such
1: a special
2: place for people to visit?
1: It was very important to me to have people enjoy this, very, because I know how hard life is. And to come to a place where they can feel and touch and smell and love and see it for real, they walk out of here a different person and I hear it time and time again.
0: In today's episode, we'll tell you more about Winslow Farm, which has been featured everywhere from the Boston Globe to Harvard Magazine, People even sing about it. Winslow Farm. Winslow Farm. And we'll share how Deborah's difficult and lonely childhood inspired her startup journey
2: and also helped her become a disciplined entrepreneur. She has a kind of spiritual approach to nature, but that's matched with a certain toughness and practicality.
0: It's an unusual story that could not be more different than, say, that of the exotic animal park featured in Tiger King, which, for some reason, millions of people binge-watched on Netflix.
1: My name's Joe Exotic, and this is Sarge. This
0: This is much more inspiring.
1: Stick around. Winslow Farm Deborah had a dream when she was
0: our story begins in New England and this piece of land with its well tended animal stalls and groves of shade trees. The land
2: itself has been in Deborah's family for a few generations.
1: This is the one of the original buildings on the property. Boy, it must be like 70, 80 years old. Yeah, it is. It's about 90.
2: Deborah, who's 68, has never really left her family's property. Was school far away
1: from here? I mean, No, it was a a couple of miles away. And I went through high school. I wasn't able to go to college. When Deborah was very young, her talented father, he was an engineer and an inventor. He was diagnosed
0: with Parkinson's disease
1: when he was just 28. He had the IQ of a genius, and um, he wanted to to still do things, and he couldn't, he was a captive by his own body. And I became his hands as a child, yeah, at age three. Her life became back-and-forth
0: trips to New York City, where her father had experimental brain operations. He had seven throughout his 54-year life. One of those operations accidentally severed his vocal cord.
1: So I had to learn to communicate in a complete different way other than speaking.
0: So that's a pretty
2: traumatic childhood.
1: Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, I was very
0: alone. Deborah says her mom was a closet alcoholic, and she had a brother,
1: but they didn't get along. So she took to the woods, and I would sit for hours at a time by myself, just listening to the forest.
0: She'd listen to the sounds of birds and the chattering of squirrels, watch the slow movement of turtles. The worst things
2: were at home. The more Deborah turned to animals. The focus was
1: on his illness all the time. And my saviors were my pets, thankfully.
2: What pets did you have when you were a child?
1: And I had a little beagle. And I remember being in the little house, the beagle's dog house, always cleaning it, crawling inside, always making sure everything was just right for my little dog friend.
0: As she became an adult, Deborah was drawn to caretaking.
1: Oh, I worked in nursing homes because I was taking care of my dad for about five years. From the time I was 16, 17, 18, 19, to about age 24. She
2: eventually took a job as...
1: Administrative assistant for the Department of Mental Health. And hated it. Not so much because of the work, but because she really
0: disliked working inside. Deborah told us she felt like a caged animal. Around that time, the young Deborah also began to realize... She didn't want to leave her family's land.
1: It was a big awakening there. And so she began building a house for
2: herself on the property.
1: I finally had enough money to get a mortgage. That's also
0: when she lost her government job due to budget cuts.
1: And so she needed to find other work. I always talked people into giving me jobs so that I could work at home.
0: Deborah ran a transcription service for a while. She took care of an elderly lady
1: in her home, and she even made stained glass. I worked two jobs for I don't know how long, and then it became three jobs.
0: But she felt, I guess you could say it was a calling. She wanted to do something more. I
1: always wanted to take care of something.
0: And so she went back to the exact same spot she went to as a child, in the woods. It was a lot of meditation on the pond here. For three years, she meditated every day for hours at a time.
1: And finally, an idea began to come to her. I love being outside. I love animals, so I put it all together, little by little. We'll tell you what happened next after a brief break. Deborah had a dream when she was very young She'd rescue animals and keep them free
0: The Story Exchange is a nonprofit media company that provides inspiration and information for entrepreneurial women. This year, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary by launching the annual Women in Science Incentive Prize. We'll award prizes of $5,000 each to five innovative women looking to mitigate the impact of climate change on our water supply. Keep an eye on our website, thestoryexchange.org, for more details.
1: To your rescue.
0: We've been sharing the story of Deborah White of Norton, Massachusetts. Who overcame a traumatic childhood. To build an animal sanctuary called Winslow
1: Farm on her family's property. But it took years for her to figure out her plan. I didn't know what that big picture was, but there was something, like a seed planted somewhere. That kept driving me towards building a home first, and then the sanctuary. Okay, so we need to mention a key piece of this. Yes. After Deborah
0: built that first home over 30 years ago, she began shopping around
1: for antiques. And so I went to an auction in a town down the road in Taunton. And there she saw something
2: that really disturbed her.
1: Little did I know that at the end of that auction, they're pulling these rabbits out of little crates and holding them up by their scruffs. She asked what was going on. And I said, well, they're all going to be eaten. I didn't know there are roadside auctions that farm animals get brought to, and they're auctioned off for meat. So did you buy animals that first day? I did, yeah. I rescued six little ducklings. She brought them home. I made this beautiful swimming pool for them.
0: So... As she sat meditating by the pond, she began to think about animals being auctioned off for meat. And dogs chained their whole lives. And wildlife that needed to heal from injuries. It just tore me apart. The idea of an animal sanctuary took
2: hold.
1: And then one day, her step-uncle was visiting, and he said, You need to start somewhere. You need to put a sign out on that driveway. And that very day, I made out of cardboard which I don't like the word petting farm, but that's what I put out 30 years ago. And um, it all began at that point. And I think I charged $2 to get in. And you just had a few ducks? Yeah, two ducks and a horse and a pair of goats, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, And nothing was here. I mean, this was all wooded. I did everything, cleared the land. And Sue, you really got the whole tour of the place from Deborah.
0: What's it like today?
2: It's really a lovely property with barns and shelters of all sorts and sizes for the peacocks, the miniature goats, the chickens, ducks, turkeys. There are paddocks for the larger animals, the horses and alpacas, and one of the largest pigs you've ever seen.
0: So there's no lions or tigers? or No,
2: definitely not. There's lots of shade and flowering bushes and... Cats stretched out under the shrubs or in the sun. When you arrive, there's a very cute little gift shop, and right next to it is a wooden cabin where volunteers chop mountains of fruit and vegetables for the animals.
0: The pigs will give them bigger chunks so they feel like they're really eating, and they seem to enjoy it.
2: The thing that's most fun is that there are animals just everywhere, all relaxed and hanging out together. I was walking over to see some of the miniature goats and nearly stumbled over George, this huge African tortoise, I mean, literally a couple of feet in diameter, who was just making his slow way along the path to who knows where. And the kids were
0: just entranced by all the animals. (laughs) And just to go back to all the buildings, what's really remarkable is that Deborah built all those structures herself.
1: It was was important for me to do one thing every year. That was my rhythm, like build a barn. Every single year, maintain something the following year.
0: Deborah attributes a lot of her engineering skills to her father, who passed away when she was 27.
1: I was his hands, literally. I use every bit of what he thought that he couldn't give me, but he did. If there are children out there that have parents with disabilities, they can learn so much in a lot of different ways that the average person wouldn't understand. Deborah's also incredibly
2: disciplined. She won't take on any animals that she can't handle.
1: You have to know how to say no, and I can, and I always have, if I cannot financially pay for them. She raises $250,000 every
0: year to pay for the animals' care and the salaries of about five employees. Her
2: funding comes from ticket sales. The entry fee is now $20, plus grants and donations.
1: It's a it's a fine balance to maintain, and I'm really strict about it. She can be tough on her staff and volunteers. You know, if they're going to go out and clean a barn, they're going to clean a barn. I have extremely high standards. I've been hard on people, but it's a tight ship, and I have to be. They, you know, they have the honor to be in these gates, to be around these animals and nature. And so they got to toe the line. Good boy, good boy. Who's this? So this is Stardust and um, he's 45 years old. I got to pet
2: Stardust. He's a donkey. Good guy, looking right at,
1: oh. Stardust has a great following. He has a lot of fans. He gets Christmas cards. And... Over the years, Deborah has had
0: many visitors to Winslow Farm, especially during tumultuous times, like after 9-11 or the Boston Marathon bombing. And people
2: have been coming during the COVID pandemic, even though she hasn't been open as much as before.
1: They walk out, of here a different person, and I hear it time and time again. So many thank you notes, so many messages back. So it's all love.
2: It's funny because it's sort of a sanctuary for people. Yeah.
1: That was important. I knew what I was doing with everything. I all had it. (laughs) We thank Deborah for sharing her story. And we thank
0: you for listening.
2: This has been the Story Exchange. Join us next time to hear more stories about innovative and inspirational women doing the things you'd never dream of. Or maybe you would.
0: In Deborah's barn. And in case you're wondering, the Winslow beautiful music you've been listening to is a fundraising song for Winslow Farm, written and performed by Diane Bettistello. Had if you like this podcast, please share on social media or post a review wherever you listen. It helps other people find the show. And visit our website at thestoryexchange.org, where you'll find news, videos, and tips for entrepreneurial women. And would love to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at or find us on Facebook. I'm Colleen DeBase. Sound editing provided by Nusha Balian. Interview recorded by Sam Shin. Production coordinator is Noelle Flago. Our mixer is Pat Donahue at String and Can. Executive producers are Sue Williams and Victoria Wong. Recorded at Cutting Room Studios in New York City.